all you have. You are now tuned in to Parker Swayze. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, it's another day in the far, far away, and I have a quick announcement. Next week is the mid-series show, where we show gratitude to all our listeners and supporters of this show. It's the show that allows us to give back to our listeners. So make sure that you tune in. I would hate for you to miss out. Okay, Star Wars is suffering from this pandemic, as filming for some of the TV shows have been pushed back, which is just messed up to me. Don't get me wrong. I want everybody to be safe out there, but I can't wait till The Mandalorian comes back on. If you can't tell, I'm a big fan of the series. But at the same time, if you like books, you might want to check out Star Wars Thrawn. It's a really good book. It was written by Timothy Zahn. This is a 2020 release because there is a Thrawn trilogy that was released a few years back. It's a good trilogy, but I like the way that Timothy wrote a biography type book about Thrawn. How he got started with the Empire. He tells how Thrawn figures out people. He tells how Thrawn can look at their body movements and their expressions to figure out how they react to certain situations. Also how he looks at their art collections to tell how they do battle. It's a good book, though, and I highly recommend it. Just a quick reminder of the new segment of the show called The Cantina Chronicles. All Star Wars fans are invited to participate. We want to hear from you. So email us at sway.audio at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram so we can get a time set up. Now let's get to the quote for this episode. And this quote comes from us from Cassandra Clare, who said, Life is a book and there are a thousand pages that you haven't read yet. One thing that I found out about life is that you can't predict what's going to happen next. Look at it like this. A few months ago, everything was fine in the world. And now the coronavirus has changed everything. We don't know what's going to happen until we go through it. Every minute of every day is a new sentence in the book we call life. But I think this quote goes well with the theme of the show. And with that being said, I think that we should get to chapter 16 of Revan. And it's a good one, so let's get to it. Scourge had no desire to return to Nathema but he didn't raise any objection when Nyrus redirected their shuttle back toward the planet's surface in pursuit of the damaged freighter. They had to find out who was on that vessel, why they were here, and if they were still alive. It had crashed down in one of a handful of cities that dotted the world, leaving a path of damaged buildings and mangled speeders in its wake. The ship itself still seemed to be relatively intact. It lay wedged against the base of a skyscraper at the end of a main thoroughfare. Nyrus brought the shuttle in cautiously, wary of return fire as she scanned the enemy vessel. Anybody alive in there? Scourge asked. Anywhere else in the galaxy, he would have been able to sense the survivors through the Force. Here on Athema, however, the aftermath of the Emperor's grim ritual blinded his abilities. I'm picking up readings of an organic life form on board, Nyrus confirmed. They brought the shuttle in for a landing roughly 50 meters from the other vessel. There had been no reaction of any kind from the enemy craft as they approached. Search the interior, Nyrus ordered. I'll wait here. Disembarking, Scourge got his first good look at the ship. It was an unusual shape, flat and circular, like a disc. He approached it cautiously, his heart pounding. Normally, he relied on the Force to warn him of potential danger. Without it, he felt vulnerable and almost helpless. It was a feeling he most definitely did not like. He was halfway to the vessel when another thought struck him. What if Nyrus simply decided to take off in her shuttle and leave him here? The thought froze him for a moment, until he realized how ridiculous the idea was. If Nyrus had wanted to get rid of him, she could have done so a dozen different ways already. 
there was no reason to abandon him on Nathema, not after risking her own life to bring him here in the first place. Scourge steeled himself and continued his advance until he reached the strange ship's underbelly. He pushed the access panel on the hull, and the boarding ramp slowly descended. He wasn't surprised to find it unlocked. Most ships had emergency overrides on the security systems in case of a crash, in order to allow rescue workers to get inside and help the injured. Scourge activated his lightsaber. The familiar hum and hiss of the blade springing to life sounded weak and distant, and the crimson blade appeared faded. Even his weapon was not immune to the effects of the dead planet, but he suspected it would still get the job done if he encountered any resistance. He climbed up the boarding ramp and into the hull of the ship. He followed the circular layout, briefly glancing into storage rooms and passenger bunks in his search for whoever might be on board. He found nothing until he reached the cockpit. Strapped into the chair was an unconscious, or dead, human male, clad in simple brown robes. He appeared to be about forty standard years old. He was thin and wiry, with dark shoulder-length hair and rough black stubble on his cheeks and chin. Blood poured from a deep gash on his forehead and covered his face. During the crash, something that wasn't strapped down must have struck him. Coming closer, Scourge put two fingers on the side of the man's neck, checking for a pulse. He had barely registered the faint flutter of life when his gaze fell on the hilt hooked to the man's belt. A lightsaber. Instinctively, he tried to reach out with the Force to get some sense of the man's power, but he felt only the emptiness of Nathema. Grabbing the lightsaber and clipping it onto his own belt, he unbuckled the man, slung him over his shoulder, and carried him off the vessel. The weight of the unconscious man made it difficult to move any faster than a brisk walk, but Scourge pressed the pace. He was eager to leave Nathema behind him for good this time. Nyrus was waiting for him back at the shuttle, standing just inside the boarding ramp. Scourge strode past her and onto the ship, where he tossed the unconscious man roughly onto the floor. He was about to mention the lightsaber, but Nyrus spoke before he had a chance. I know this man, she said, her voice grim. His name is Raven. He's a Jedi and a Republic spy. A Republic spy? Scourge's brain took the news and jumped to the next logical conclusion. If the Jedi know we exist, they will come for us. They will try to finish the extermination of our species that they began in the Great Hyperspace War. Our existence is still hidden, she assured him. Revan and another Jedi, a man named Malik, discovered Roman Kos by accident. They were captured before they could return and report their findings to the Republic. When did all this happen? Five years ago. The Emperor sentenced Revan to death. Then what's he doing here? I don't know, Nyrus admitted. But he couldn't have escaped the Citadel's dungeons unless the Emperor allowed it. It stands to reason that he wouldn't still be alive unless he was working for the Emperor. How is that possible? Scourge countered. The Jedi are our sworn enemies. Nyrus didn't answer. Watch him closely, she said returning to the pilot's seat. He is powerful and extremely dangerous. Why don't we just kill him? Not yet, 
Not until we know why he is here. We'll take him back to my stronghold for questioning. I've never interrogated a Jedi, Scourge said after a moment. He smiled. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so Nyrus and Scourge follow Revan back down to the planet. Scourge didn't want to go back down in Nathema, but he knew that they had to. They had to find out who was on that ship. Was it one of the Emperor's people? They didn't know. They wanted to find out. After they landed, Nyrus sent Scourge to find out who it was. As Scourge went to sea, he had a thought that Nyrus might just leave him on Nathema. I feel you, Scourge. I wouldn't trust her neither. Everything that she has done up to now has been shady. But as he gets to the ship, he calls out to see if anyone was on board. He wants to probe with the force, but he can't because there is no force on the thing, only the void. So he lights his lightsaber. It comes on, but it's really dull and pinkish looking. It's not really red. He knows it'll get the job done, but he's still a little bit cautious as he enters the ship. After finding the cockpit, he sees a man that is knocked out or dead. He checks him for a pulse, and that's when he sees the lightsaber attached to his belt. Once again, Scourge tries to use the force to get a read on Revan, but all he feels is the void. He quickly grabs the saber and attaches it to his belt. Then he picks up Revan and starts back to Nyrus' ship. Once he got there, he was going to tell Nyrus about the lightsaber, but before he could say anything, Nyrus says that she knew this man. He was a Jedi and very powerful. She goes on to tell Scourge who Revan is. Of course, Scourge goes to the worst possible case. Nyrus assures him that everything is alright and the Jedi don't know of their existence. Scourge is like, let's just kill him now. Nyrus tells him, no, let's find out what he knows. Scourge gets excited and says, I've never interrogated a Jedi before. He was looking forward to it, and that's where we left off. So let's see what else happens. Revan had no idea where he was when he awoke, though it was obviously some kind of prison cell. He was propped up in a cold metal chair. His hands were bound to the arms, his ankles tied to the legs. For the moment, he was alone. His mind felt slow and dull, and he knew he'd been drugged. It was difficult to concentrate, impossible to focus his thoughts enough to use the Force. It took all his willpower just to recall the last moments of the Ebon Hawk crashing on Nathema. He struggled to take stock of his situation, but he couldn't pierce the haze of the drugs. The door to his cell slid open, and two figures entered, one male and one female. The sight of their red skin tweaked something in his addled brain, but it took several seconds before he could make the connection. Sith, he whispered, his throat dry and his voice hoarse. Welcome back, Revan, the female said in basic. He stared at her withered, wrinkled face, trying and failing to dredge up her name. Do I know you? The tall male Sith beside her reached out with a hand and casually delivered a backhanded slap across Revan's cheek. We don't have time to play games, he said. His voice wasn't angry or threatening. It was calm and completely matter-of-fact. Revan tasted blood. The smack had cut the inside of his mouth. He could feel the sting of the wound and the swelling of his lip. Apparently, the drugs used to dull his mind had been carefully selected so they would not interfere with the sensation of physical pain. I don't think this is a game, the female said, raising an eyebrow. I think he's actually forgotten me. She leaned in close beside him and whispered in his ear. What happened to you, Revan? Where did you go? Why did you return? 
when he didn't answer. She stepped back and nodded. Then she waved a hand, and an interrogator droid, Revan hadn't even noticed it hovering behind the two Sith, floated over and extended a long, thin needle into his neck. He grimaced in pain as the needle punctured his skin, then screamed as it discharged a powerful electrical burst, setting his nerves on fire. The Sith male waved a hand, and the interrogator droid retreated. What happened to your partner? he asked. Malik. I killed him, Revan said. Why? It's complicated. The male's expression didn't change, but the female smiled in amusement, the expression transforming her wrinkled features into those of a grinning skull. Eventually, you'll tell us everything we want to know, the male assured him. Maybe so, Revan conceded. But I'm going to make you work for it. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. After four hours of questioning the prisoner, Nyrus ordered Scourge to take a break. They left him in his cell, tied to his chair, neither of them speaking until they were outside in the hall and the door to his cell had closed behind them. How much longer will it take to break him? Nyrus asked. Scourge considered the question carefully before answering. Early in his training, he had shown a knack for torture and interrogation, skills the instructors had encouraged during his years at the academy. He was an expert in the field. He knew that wringing information out of an unwilling source was about far more than just inflicting pain. Apply enough punishment, and everyone would talk. But most of what they said would be desperately babbled lies, evasions, and half-truths. Without any way to verify accuracy, information gathered through torture was often unreliable and even worthless. Effective interrogation was an art, and Scourge had an innate ability to parse fact from fiction. He knew what questions to ask and in what order. He understood when to ratchet up the intensity and when to pull back. He knew how to use the threat of pain and the reward of mercy to control his subjects. His advanced techniques, combined with his ability to draw upon the dark side, allowed him to quickly dominate weak minds. Strong-willed subjects were more of a challenge, Yet in the end, he always got results. Until now. Interrogating the Jedi had resulted in nothing but frustration and dead ends. His will was strong, as was his command of the Force. Even drugged to the edge of unconsciousness, he was able to draw on it, to help him endure the pain and the relentless barrage of questions. But there was something else as well. Nyrus wanted to know how he had escaped the dungeons of the Citadel, she wanted to know about his relationship with the Emperor. She wanted to know why he had come to Nathema. On all those counts, Scourge had come up empty. Revan was resisting him, true, but at some times it almost seemed as if Revan himself didn't know, as if the information had been wiped from his mind. We might be wasting our time, he finally admitted. His pain threshold is high, but we're already at the limits of what a human can endure. If I press any harder... 
We risked killing him. Scourge had seen it happen many times. Unskilled or overeager interrogators could easily push their subjects too far. In his mind, this was the ultimate failure. You couldn't get answers from a corpse. With difficult subjects, you had to be patient. It might take multiple sessions over several days to get anything useful. But even knowing this, Scourge didn't hold out much hope for his chances with Revan. I could question him for months, but the information you want just isn't there. That is unfortunate, Naira sighed. I was hoping to verify my theory. What theory? The Emperor has the ability to dominate and enslave the minds of those who serve him, she explained. It's one of the reasons he has ruled for so long. Those that are transformed become fanatical zealots who live to serve. They are not capable of betraying him. She glanced back at the door behind which they had left the Jedi. I suspect that instead of executing Revan as he publicly proclaimed, the Emperor turned him into a puppet of his will and sent him back to the Republic to gather information. If he's been gathering intel on the Republic for five years, the Emperor must be closer to launching his invasion than we thought, Scourge noted, alarmed at how close their mad ruler had already come to exposing them to the Jedi. Nyra shook her head. The Emperor is more patient and careful than any being in the galaxy. He has lived for nearly a thousand years. He might live for ten thousand more. He leaves nothing to chance. If necessary, he will spend decades, maybe even centuries, preparing. No. We still have time. And Revan may still be of use to us. How so? You said it yourself. Something happened to his mind. His memories are lost. But so is his knowledge of and loyalty to the Emperor. Whatever was done to him, it freed him from the Emperor's domination. If we can learn how this happened, we might be able to use it to bring the Emperor down. Remember that all those who have direct access to the Emperor, the Emperor's voice, the Emperor's hand, the soldiers in the Imperial Guard, are under his spell. Breaking that spell, turning his most loyal followers against him, is our best chance of defeating him and saving the Empire from his mad plan to attack the Republic. We need Revan alive, so we can study him, she concluded. He is too valuable a resource to throw away. What she said made sense. But Scourge knew it would be far more difficult and complicated than she made it sound. It might take years before you understand what happened to him, he warned her. The Emperor is not the only one who can be patient, she replied. Okay, so they get Revan back to Nyrus' stronghold. Then Revan wakes up to find himself tied to a chair and in a cell. Nyrus and Scourge are standing right in front of him. His drug-riddled mind takes a few moments to realize that they are Sith. Nyra asks him, what happened to you, Revan? Where have you been? Revan is like, lady, I don't know you. Scourge smacks Revan and tells him they don't have time to play any games. They want the answers to the questions they ask. Nyra waves her hand and an interrogator droid sticks a needle on Revan and starts to shock him. Is it just me or do the Sith have an infatuation with electricity? Every time you turn around, they're shocking somebody. They ask him what happened to Malik. He tells him that he killed Malik. Nyrus is amused by his answer. But as they continue, Revan doesn't answer all their questions. Scourge is like, you will tell us what we want to know. 
this is a problem because Revan don't remember everything. But then Revan tells Scourge that he will have to work for every answer he gives. After four hours of interrogation techniques, Scourge tells Nyrus that they are probably wasting their time. And if they go any further, they will probably kill Revan. They go over how skilled Scourge is and interrogating someone, but he doesn't think that Revan knows anything. Nyrus was disappointed as she explains to Scourge how the Emperor would enslave the minds of people, and that's what she thinks happened to Revan. She was hoping to find out how Revan broke the Emperor's mind control. And that's about where we're at. You will have to tune into Chapter 17 if you want to find out what happens next. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.